Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Thanks for tuning in to Boner Planet Podcast. Watch the full video exclusively on Carbon TV. This show is brought to you by Tinks, Scent Crusher, Camp Chef, and Cat Work Truck, Victory Archery and Thorn Broadheads, Cobra Archery and Shadow Hunter Blinds, Burris Optics and Reveal Cellular Trail Camps, HHA and HHA USA. Additional support by Under Armour and Deer Cam Coffee. Hey guys, welcome to the Boner Plant Podcast. Myself, Dave Thomas, tonight, along with Tim Mazzarana. Um, we are talking hunting shows, and one of the uh, top shows that I've actually known for a long time is American Archer. This is a show that, uh, because it's based out of Michigan, it's something I've actually known for a long time. Um, and uh, Casey is joining us from that show. Casey Chrisman, I got his name right, uh, is joining <laughs> us from the show to talk about it. But it, again, this one's special to us because it is based in our home state of Michigan. And again, you know, I, I've just been around for so long and Tom and everything he's done uh, in the industry, it's pretty impressive. So I guess, Casey, how's it going, man? First first and foremost. I'm doing great, guys. <laughs> I've had a awesome last 24 hours or so my wife uh and then one of my buddies that actually runs camera for me were able to both put down birds within the last 24 hours with their bows so um, awesome. it's been a great last 24 wow. and this is uh, in michigan or different states michigan yep yep my um my wife actually hasn't had a whole lot of time to get out she only sat one other time um and thankfully yesterday evening it worked out uh, and then one of my, my cameramen, actually, he, uh, he's never taken a bird with his bow and he's been wanting to. So I told him that I'd get behind the camera for him. Um, and we went out to one of his, his, uh, leases that he has. I did some calling for him and it was absolutely perfect. It took 10, 15 minutes after they came off the roost and his season was done. Wow. Morning, now, morning hunt, I'm assuming then. Yep. Yep. yep I'm going to ask uh, this. I'm going to ask this question because it's really important because we're actually turkey hunting this weekend. So let me ask you this. So you're in Michigan, you guys are hunting turkey. You've had some turkey the last few days experience. Are they responding to calls and or decoys? Yes, absolutely. Oh. So, so this is, 
I, I have a theory. I have I have a theory about turkey hunting, at least at least in the areas in central Michigan that I chase birds. Um, and I feel like it, it's very comparable actually to whitetails almost where the at the beginning, like pre-rut, for instance, deer up on their feet moving looking. Same with turkeys, they're real responsive. Then they kind of lock down with hens and they kind of shut up and just quit responding. And then towards the back half of May, like this, they start opening up and there's not as many hunters in the woods. They're more responsive. And that's what seems to have happened within the last just few days from what I've seen. They've gotten real responsive. Um, I had birds gobbling after they came off the roost um, this morning. And then yesterday evening, they were gobbling their heads off all afternoon, responding to everything. Um, and they were real into my decoy sets that I had. So, yeah, I, I'd say you guys should be in for a pretty good time. Now, That's did awesome. you? Yeah, I've heard tell, from a couple other people. Sorry, go tell ahead, us Dave. the set. Tell us the set. So, did you use a, a, a tom and a, uh, and a hen, a, a bedded hen? Uh, I guess give us an idea of what what kind of what worked. I guess. Yep. So uh, when I, I I always set up different throughout the season. Um, once I get to the back half of the season like this, I usually will not use any type of Jake or Tom decoy whatsoever. I just run totally hens. I, and I'll have like a lay down breeder hen. Um, and typically when we're trying to film um, and with uh, camera equipment and multiple people out there together, we usually hunt from blind. So I'll set like the, the breeder hen 12 to 15 yards from the blind. And then I'll have some type of stand up hen, whether it's a feeding hen um, decoy or um you know just another vertical bird basically within five to six yards of that lay down bird awesome this is so exciting this is like a this is like a playbook for for our weekend tim <laughs> no i can't wait man i'm actually really excited to get out there tim. and uh, i i love absolutely love turkey season i love deer season too but there's just something about turkey where the like the action that you get right the responsiveness from the calls when it happens it's just so exciting so yep absolutely that is pretty awesome I, i've Tim, actually heard you... from a couple other people this week too that uh just like you said they're they, they've been very active this whole week which is awesome to hear yeah very awesome Tim, have hear. you killed a bird yet tim i have not no i've only okay. been cameraman just just like so... you know just, just like casey's a uh, cameraman there so i'm hoping <laughs> this year's my year we'll see so that's <laughs> what i was thinking I was gonna say, let's just do that, dude. You use the crossbow. I'll film. I'll sit in the shadow hunter with you. Yeah, my crossbow's a, uh, is it dialed? Ready. She's right over there. Yeah, oh yeah, she's yeah, dialed. I mean, I gotta that. take a shot with him. We get there to make sure, but uh, she's been on, you know, last two years without touching it. So she oh, should yeah, be dude. pretty darn close if she's not dead on. Yeah. I'm so what's up um, when you're when you're shooting? So when you're shooting, Casey, shooting at the bird. Um, are you a body shot? Are you a head shot? I'm assuming you're doing bow, right? So you're, you're probably yeah. going body, but walk well, me through what, what your thought process is there. I, it, it depends on the positioning of the bird. So for myself personally, if I have a bird committed to my set and they're coming in and I get them inside 20 yards probably, um, and they're facing me, I will take a head or neck shot all day long. Um, but for some reason, and I don't know what it is with my mind, but if I have a bird broadside, I cannot get myself to anchor correctly. And I just cannot hold on their head and neck when they're broadside. So then I take body shots and just shoot for vitals when I get them broadside. But if they're coming straight at me, I'll take neck and head shots all day long. Awesome. 
Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah. I think that's what I, I've typically seen, you know, my guys do that I, that I'm shooting film for is uh same sort of thing. Most of them though, I gotta, I gotta say most of them that I've seen, they always typically come in broadside from the way that we set up our blinds and everything. So yeah. Yeah. And that's, and they, they do frequently. Yeah. That, that's basically how I have mine set up where the bird has to come past my blind to get to my decoys. But um, there are times, you know, like when they're standing, they're strutting and they're just turning 360 degrees around full strut that they end up just facing, you know, if they're stopped facing straight at me, I, I have absolutely no qualms about letting one rip, you know, at the, their head or neck and just dumping them right there. Yeah. I was telling Dave the other day, I'm like, you know, it might actually be kind of fun because we can, we know where they roost, but then if they're not responding and they don't come in in that morning hunt, they're out there. They're, we we yep. know that they're floating around the property the whole day. And yep. I'm like, you know what? We haven't really done a spot and stock in quite a while. That would actually be a fun way to go about it. If we oh, can't get the morning hunt done, that, that yep. a spot and stock mid-afternoon might be the right, right route to go with that one. So have you ever yep. done that? Yep. Um, so I haven't done it with while filming prior prior to being added to the show i used to do that a lot like i mean i figured you know the birds aren't moving that's when they're awake i might as well be out there so i i used to you know run and gun with my bow um i when i initially started turkey hunting i'd take shotgun but i kind of just transitioned to archery naturally and uh just kind of stuck with it. it it's a heck of a lot harder doing it that way for sure but yeah it, it can definitely be done it's a lot of fun yeah, that's yeah. cool, man. I, 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 I just, you, you never know what's going to happen with Turkey. That's what I love about it. But like there's years where I'll go out there and I'll set up by myself. If I'm self filming or whatever, I'll make a couple of calls. I hear a gobble and then I look and they're just charging my, my Tom, just coming in full bore, easy yep. arrow shot. Boom. Like, wow. You know, the year after, you know, nothing comes in. It's like a, you know, it's like unbelievable. Not a single call. You don't hear anything. You'll see hens out in the distance walking. Yep. Um, and then I, I, then the year after I went with my son and he shot a Turkey with me and, uh, it worked perfect. Same thing. We put the set, these two Jake's came in from the right all the way over and he took a shot with a crossbone, got one. It was awesome. Um, but you know, it's like, it's just hit or miss, I guess, you know, that's why I was really excited when you said that they're, you know, they're listening right now and re responding. Cause I thought, man, this could be, this could be it. You know, we might have a chance to him to get you your first Turkey. And, you know, if you, that's my thought. It's like, if you get one, then I'll hunt Saturday night. You know what I mean? It's like, we, we have Absolutely. to spot. It's like, we might as well try to get two done right there. You know, it might be awesome. Yep. And Turkey so don't mind you. rain. So if it's sprinking <laughs> a little bit, we're in, you know, we got that shadow hunter. We'll be sitting in say, and uh, we'll be good. Blind. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I tell you guys what, I, I don't know if you guys have tried this before, but the other thing that I'll frequently do, if, if I got a cameraman with me or if it's my wife, wife in the blind with me, we'll take both our bows and set up. Oh, because, that's a good idea. Because, I've had, I think it was, let's see, it would have been two seasons ago and the season before I shot my bird, dropped it within two, three yards of where I shot. And another Tom was with him and stayed there and just beat the snot out of wow. my, I'm like, like we got, we got it on camera. The one time I actually had to like chase it off my bird. Like, like we watched it for 15 minutes, just destroying my dead bird already and so i was like well i need to i need to save it so it doesn't completely tear it up so i ran out of the blind and it just stood there and, and it blew up it started strutting at me and i'm like dang you go away so <laughs> move on I mean, sir 
you know so it could be very possible to pull a double oh yeah, yeah no we point. need a moment like that out for sure see that's the thing is like where we hunt we know exactly where they roost i mean they they've been roosting there for the last four years, years in, the, in yeah. the exact same spot they come down in the morning at the exact same time and it's just about getting them in um and and like like we were saying like sometimes they just don't respond and and i think you had a great point like that late season just doing hens because i think the problem at least that i've had with with, uh hunting with jamie is we've used jake's late season and that might be the issue that we had and 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 i've even seen it where i've had say two big toms on a property running together and then a whole big group five six jakes all together and once one of those big toms gets killed, those groups of jakes have come in and just beat the snot out of the one old mature tom. So I, I've had times when a big mature tom sees my jake decoy and he's like, nope, I've been, his buddies must be someplace. And so he goes the opposite way too. So that's another bit of logic why I like doing it just with hens late season. Those, ga- those jakes yeah. are gangsters, man. Jeez. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So do you find – um, them out of the territory. Just- just from your experience over the years not just this year but over the years do you usually find the morning to be better than night or afternoon or i guess what do you find for turkey specifically um i i prefer mornings uh i i feel like mornings are a lot more responsive to calling and and decoys um but i've also had a lot of success in the evenings i mean all the all the birds that um my wife has taken except for one um, have all been on evening hunts, but those, those are, those are setups where I literally have a set up within 50 yards of where I know they're going to roost at. So in the evening, we might not see anything, but then those birds are returning to roost. I'll have my, a couple decoys out in front of me and I'll call them off their path that they were originally come on to come check out the, um, my decoy set. And it's not really having to deviate them from their natural path too much already. So it's kind of, more intercepting them in the evenings, I guess, but it's still like calling them to us, pulling them to our set. But um, they definitely seem easier, at least for me. It's been my experience; they're a lot easier to call um, and get to respond more on mornings for sure. I like it. I like the idea, yeah. Dave. We got some planning to do, my friend. This is exciting. Actually, I feel more excited about it now because it's now. Here's my thought: Friday night, no hunting, literally set up shooting, double checking your crossbow, shoot some guns, have some fun. Saturday morning, we're at it. Hopefully, it gets done right. That's the key. If we can just knock one down in the morning, that gives us all of Saturday and Sunday morning, bright and early, to get two total. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm excited. I, I, Casey's got me all pumped up now because I, I wasn't sure they're gonna every year. Like I said, it, I feel like we go and then it's just like nothing's happening. You'll see, you'll see a hen once in a great while, and it's like, man. So this year, I'm now that you said all this, I'm I'm this i'll be honest this whole this whole conversation is detour completely from where i originally thought we were going with this conversation but i love it this is so fun i love yeah, it yeah i'm I'm, a, I'm thinking dave maybe even friday night we can do potentially just a little bit of spot and stock but we do that on the opposite side of the property where we're going to put jamie so if it messes anything up and pushes them out it's it's jamie's spot who cares <laughs> You know, and one one more thing when you guys are talking about responding to calls and stuff, something I was just thinking about. I've never seen this happen for as long as I've turkey hunted. Last night I was calling and we had two birds that were across. You guys, are you guys familiar with the Grand River? Um, yeah, I am. That yes. run, it ends up running into Grand Rapids. So yep. the Grand River, the property I'm on, the where 
sitting high up above it up on this big hill up above the grand river and i had these and i had these two birds just hammering every single time i'd hit my call they were gobbling but they were across the river and this is how responsive they were i hit them twice they they were far i mean they're probably a quarter mile and they must have come running because then i could hear them gobbling on the opposite bank and i've never called a bird across that river and it's a wide spot in that river right there both birds flew across the river to get to us to get to our set like that's how, no that's, way. how that's how responsive they were yesterday like it was awesome that that's is pretty crazy. cool man and that's what i love about it i love the aggressiveness of turkeys to like just yeah, come in. in and just try to be like yeah. complete jerks you know yep. like yeah. who's here i want you out i'm gonna find you right? type of deal and i just yep. i absolutely love yeah. that man it's so yep. cool to watch i think it's funny that when a turkey senses another turkey's weak when you shoot one it's laying there dead it like okay. literally his instinct is to destroy yep because that one's weaker now like oh he's weaker than me right now i can beat his butt right it's just the weirdest yep. thing in my mind it's so funny yeah. It, it's, it's like they look at it as a threat you know it's, yeah, so it's so weird watching it too like when i've had it happen you know when i've shot a bird and they're right in front of me laying there and the in i mean the one bird honestly went at him for 15 straight minutes he never got off him and we were <laughs> just like crazy. we were like we were like what do we do and my in my uh buddy running camera he didn't he didn't have hit any of his equipment and he was tagged out anyway so it was irrelevant but we sat there we're like well he'll eventually wander off but didn't i had to chase him and we're and then we're doing the post kill interview right i'm sitting there holding this bird i'm like oh this is an amazing hunt you know thanks to my buddy sean for running camera for me blah 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 and that other town was standing 20 yards behind us over this hill just <laughs> gobbling his head off like like i had to stop oh my gosh look at him and i was like should i go chase him off and he's like no this, this footage is great like this i'm like all right we can we'll, we'll roll with it some great b-roll too you got yep. there it sounds like so that's yep. pretty awesome man turkey beats so, the heck out of dead turkey <laughs> no doubt no doubt man so casey tell us a little bit about your show man how, how how did last season go what do you guys have coming up besides turkey what's going on so we had guys traveling all over um joe thomas um who's another one of the co-hosts he uh i believe he was in argentina he took a red stag we got a bunch of whitetail hunts on there um my wife and i just got back from florida um a little over a month ago now and we were doing a bow fishing trip down there um with these guys it's called twisted limbs bow fishing they run out of tampa bay um and they have some of the nicest setups that i've ever seen for bow fishing uh and they we, we shot a ton of fish we had a great time i bet have you you guys do a lot of bow fishing have you been before yeah yes. we have yeah we went up we go up the great lakes one up in uh, like caseville area okay so we've yep. been up there a couple times so I've only been bow fishing probably three times now, and I am absolutely terrible. We have footage of me. I bet I shot 400 times, maybe, <laughs> while, while we were out. And I mean, it, granted, they're, they're down, down in Tampa Bay, there, there's all sorts of stuff for, from stingrays to sand perched everything. Um, but I let a ton of arrows rip for sure. Um, but that'll be on there. Um, I think we have a couple elk hunts that'll be on there from some of our guys. Uh, but I mean, last year was really a white tail, um, season for us. Like our guys all did pretty well. Um, my season was extremely difficult for me. I was only able to put a bird down, um, in, or a bird, a buck down in, um, Wisconsin and then one in Michigan actually over by you guys in uh, Wayne County. 
So, oh wow, cool. Um, but yeah, my my season was rough. I it, I did not have what I would have liked. It didn't it didn't turn out how quite how I would have liked it to for sure. Yeah, no, I mean we we've had season actually last season was a, a little bit of a struggle bust for I think almost all of us. Um, you know, I got one. It was early season dough. That's what I you know I I'm a meat hunter first, right? So you know, early season, I'll take what I can get. And then I'll kind of sit for buck, you know, later on during the season, but I only got the one dough uh, last year, which was good enough to fill the freezer. Um, But it was a little bit of a disappointment, you know, not seeing any big bucks come in and and all that kind of stuff. So are you, so with, with with the, we'll call it lack of success, although you had success. Sounds like. Absolutely. Um, Are you looking to change anything up from this year? Um, Or from last year to this year? So the, so when I first started with the show in my mind, I was like, I need to travel to all these States, try to hit all these different places and kind of spread it out and maximize everything that I can. But the further I've gone along in the show, what I've realized is I'm almost better off and going to be more successful. If I spend my time, you know, specifically in a smaller number of States, putting more time into those. Cause like I hunted Kentucky with one of my buddies down there and we hunted that first week down there and we saw probably three bucks that were, they were definite shooters. I mean, they're all five plus years old. Two of them were over 160 and one of them was probably a mid one forties type eight. Um, and had, had I spent more time going back there um, rather than running all over the place, um, I probably would have had an opportunity honestly so this year i'm going to change it up i'm going to travel to a few less states probably travel just as much but just spend time trying to fill one or two tags at a time rather than running from state to state all over the place that makes sense makes sense gives you an opportunity Um, actually get them patterned and and figure out what they're doing right so you can catch them on the mistake so yep yep exactly i'm watching this video on your guys's youtube it says american archer season 25 which is absolutely incredible uh, yep. Episode four says rutted out. Uh, looks like Joe uh, hunting some sort of elk, huge elk uh, in Arizona, which is oh, pretty yeah. cool. Yep. But my question is actually, I got a question now. I don't know if you've followed or seen, but we've been working on this classic series. Um, uh, so I've been, I've like, I know like all the older bows, and like it looks like he's using a Matthews Creed in this video or a helium. Do you know which one it is by chance? I- I don't know. I'd have to actually give Joe a call and ask him about that. Yeah, I was just curious because I, I know I have this bow. I just don't remember exactly which model yeah. because we've been kind of going through um, just we've been acquiring the older bow, older models. I just thought it was interesting because it's 2021 video, but he's shooting a 2015 or 2014 bow, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. I was just going to I was curious why he liked that specific model. And maybe we'll get him on the show a different time to talk about that. Yeah, or, for you sure. know, that one specifically. It's just interesting because it's not you know, like the, the newest model or whatever. So it's pretty right. interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I tell you guys what, I do love watching those um, reviews that you guys have been doing too, with all the older stuff and uh, talking so about, yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting how many of those bows, like you're going to see like tonight, I'm actually working on some more edits for some other videos of the same concept, but it's interesting to see how many of them literally have zero information online. I mean, Mm. absolutely zero. And so I'm in a position on some of these videos where I can't even tell specs because all I have is the bow and I Uh. cannot find a single, I spent like weeks just searching and searching a good one is the X Silverhawk XI. So XI made this, there's a bow company called XI and Mm. made a bow called the Silverhawk. 
and I can't find, I can literally find zero. I also oh. found out today that um, there was a bow made um, for buck knives. They had their own bow for like a year by a company really? called Champion or something. This huh. is the most interesting stuff. Like I'm like literally falling into the weirdest things, like down these yeah. weird rabbit holes that yeah. I never, you know, I never even heard of half these things. Right. Um, archery research, you know, just brands like that were eventually acquired by other bigger brands, you know, but still for a time there, there was archery research was a big company, a Browning, yep. you know, all these different yep. brands that Actually, are gone I, now. I have, but, a, you know. I have one of the original Browning, um, compounds actually. oh sweet one of my remember what it's called? yeah um i can go it's grab it grab it i'll be right back <laughs> yeah, nice okay. man so nice. brownie yeah, had this it, bow it, called the mantis which is one that brian's got i'm trying to get my hands on it but it is a 1994 or five or six somewhere in there they go back a ways though brownie goes back i think to the 70s from what I can find. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, like, all of the different bows that have been around, right? And and what's more amazing yeah. is that people still have them. Like, I never would yeah. have expected yeah. somebody to still have or still be shooting, like, a 1990, <laughs> you know, compound type of deal. Oh, that's legit. That that's thing, a traditional. Man. Holy cow. Yeah. What? Oh, that's a... Wow, that's it's a traditional, traditional but yeah, it's a compound. Cool. It is a... I don't know if you guys can see that. Tracker? But a, yeah, tracker. tracker. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So the, the interesting story about this bow, one of the guys that I work with, he used to be big into hunting, according to him anyway. He told me that he was a big hunter or whatever. And he told me that he, he's primarily just gun hunted his whole life. And he told me way back in the day, he decided he was going to try bow hunting. So he went out to the store right when compounds first came out. And he's like, I want the best bow you got. So they sell him that bow with those arrows, that set up everything. Um, he missed, he took it out one season. He missed like a spike, like took one shot with it, missed this deer. And he's like, Nope, I'm never bow hunting again. Put it, <laughs> and that was put it it away. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And so he, uh, so I was talking to him at work and he was like, Hey, I got a bow if you, if you want it. And I was like, and he didn't tell me anything about it. And I was like, I mean, no, probably not, but thank you. And then he's like, well, I'll bring it in and show it to you. And then when he brought it in and I actually saw like how it's set up with like the wooden riser and limbs and everything, I was like, oh, this isn't just like a few year old bow that's a piece of garbage. Like this is going to be collectible for sure. I was like, yeah, I mean, I, and I told him like, it's probably gonna be worth money at some point if you want it, keep it. But if you're just going to throw it away, I'd be more than happy to take it. No doubt. That yeah, thing looks wow. in great shape, man. Have you have, now? Have you ever taken it out hunting at all yourself? No, no, no. I'm I'm I kind of inspected it, and I'm actually slightly concerned with. Um, I, I don't know if I need to oil it, or I just basically what I don't want to do is I don't want to come to full draw, let one rip, and then have something break on it. Like I'm just leaving it be and trying to not have it explode. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That's what this we, whole so we thing get all these all these bows in that's what we've been kind of having to do is um you know we, we obviously we know you know bow string companies in the industry and all that kind of stuff so we'll get new strings yep. installed all that so there's definitely a safety aspect of all that you have to wear you have to watch out for yeah for yeah sure. well and and like the weird thing about these even is if 
like the the actual string is an actual twisted string but then the cables are Cable. literally steel cable covered yeah. in something but like <laughs> i was looking at a few of the points here and they don't look like they're connected real well still so i just try to be as delicate with it as i possibly can <laughs> so it doesn't yeah. explode you're gonna have to come over to the studio and do that one with me on the video that'd be fun i'll let you you can shoot it and i'll i'll stay <laughs> I'll my safety goggles <laughs> yeah look around the corner and watch it's interesting actually with browning because uh this is one i've been uh thinking about lately i don't know why i just ran into the browning mantis uh and that kind of spurred me to the question of what happened to browning and mm -hmm. i actually googled it and it actually comes up what happened to browning archery on browning's website which i found that very interesting and they have a full article on their website about it because and what they say here is this is a question many of you have been asking our Facebook page in various forms. We hope this historic overview will help you. But it goes on to say that they made bows from 1960s to the 1990s. Yeah. And basically in 2001, so in 2001, for, it says for assorted business and competitive reasons, Browning entered into an agreement with PSE in Arizona to have them take over the license for Browning Archery Products. So basically... Right at that moment, they stopped producing bows and they hired out a company to do, or, you know, license the name. And then PSC stopped in 2010. So basically it just kind of disappeared, you know, and PSC, I mean, if they weren't making money, they're not going to do it. I understand PSC's perspective, right. but it's kind of sad that Browning itself would have given up that, you know, and I understand they probably made more money in, in firearms and stuff like that. But when you have a heritage that's that old, it's like, right. you're going to just walk away from it. Like when you were like, just a major player. I don't know. I just, it's disappointing. I always feel like it goes back to big business and, you know, archery just getting kind of side sidelined all the time. You know, yeah. it just, it's kind yeah. of sad really. Cause I, I'm sure whoever developed Browning or whoever the owner of Browning was, was an archery person. They wanted that brand, you know, they wanted archery in there. Yep. They would have never done it if they didn't. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. pretty interesting stuff, man, this history stuff. It's, there's so much involved in it and it doesn't matter which company, but let me ask you this. It's a good test. And I, I've been, I only know this because I've been researching all of it, but do you know who the actual oldest archery brand is? Ooh. I, I asked both of you guys this question. I know what you guys are going to say, but it's not the answer. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. You know what you think we're going to say bear. Yeah. That, but it, yeah. I would assume that it just couldn't be because the way would, you asked that, that i knew it wasn't yeah that would be too that'd be too <laughs> simple and easy of an answer i don't know hold on give me one second i'm still don't look thinking. it up <laughs> i'm look it still up. thinking wait a minute i'm All not right, it's hoyt. sure hoyt no, is the oldest no brand hoyt yep hoyt was really? around before bear really but still in the 30s still in wow. the 30s so they both came about but Hoyt was first and Hoyt was making traditional bows. So, you know, and that's what bear started with as well, obviously. But the yeah. difference was that Earl Hoyt um, was popular out West, you know, but, but bear Fred bear was way more popular, especially um, right. because of Jennings and all those, his friends that were over here, you know, in the, in the yeah. Midwest. And um, so obviously bear became more popular as far as Fred bear is concerned, but you guys know um, this is a good question though. So, which two uh which uh, you know it's two companies which so from that point on two more companies enter the fray in the 50s 
any idea who those two brands would be. So the 30s were Hoyt and Bear. In the 50s, there's two brands that came about right at the same time. Do we did, did we recently acquire some of their older bows? Yes. No, yes and no. One of them, yes. Could it have been Martin? Yes, Martin is one of them. 1953, I believe, or 51, right in there. All right. And who's and the other one? When did you know what? I'm gonna the, go on. It's a Michigan go company. On, Casey. <laughs> I was just gonna say, when did the Jennings bows come out? It wasn't Jennings. Mm. This is um actually let me let me pause. Let me pause. This is only companies who, I'm only talking about companies who are still in business today. That that is important to know. So only companies I was gonna go out on a limb. I was gonna go on a limb and I was gonna say PSE. No, Darton Archery is 1951, I oh, believe, and I think Darton was 53. I should have said Darton. Yep. Darn it. Yeah, so, I should have said Darton. So let's see, out of the original bow companies, two of them were in Michigan to start. Yeah. If you if you think about it. Then yeah, I don't know why, because um, you said Michigan. I don't know why I didn't guess Darton. Yeah, and then PSE did come about in the 70s. Um, maybe late 60s, but pretty much in the 70s, I believe. Pete was an engineer at a company and then he ended up starting PSC at some point. Um, but what about like um, Bowtech? Well, obviously you guys should know Matthews. I would assume you guys know when Matthews came about. I don't. 92. So Matthews came in in 92. There's some before them, but so Matthews 92, Bowtech 99. And then it goes to like elite. I think it's 2005 or somewhere in there. You got Struther, but I don't count them because they're gone. So, you, you know, because there's Pearson, there's there's a whole bunch of um, middle little ones that aren't really around anymore. You got like Athens is like 2014. You had, uh, who else am I missing in there? There's a couple of little ones. But it's interesting. Like I said, there's just, it's so, there's so much heritage there. And, you know, just throwing this out there, and I know people listen to this podcast around the world, but, you know, for a long time, for a long time, not today, but for a long time, Michigan held the most archery companies and hunting companies in the world. And, and that, it, it, at one point we had Oneida, Darton, G5 Prime. So yeah, Quest Bows, Prime Bows, and Carbon Express all at the same time. This was just in the 2000s. This wasn't even that long ago. So until all those companies slowly, and even Darton technically sold to an Ohio company, technically, even though they're still here. So now they're all kind of, except for G5, most of them are pulled out and gone. Yeah. Um, but I even want to say maybe Killer Instinct was from Michigan. Cause I remember the, I went to college with the guy who started, we went to college, with the guy who started that Tim. It's yep. Well, there was, there was a yeah. gorilla tree stands too. They were owned by. Yeah. Uh, Forgot about that. Eastman, right. And uh, game tracker. So Eastman's. Oh, yeah. forgot about boning. And quickie yep. quiver, boning, yeah, <laughs> boning quickie quiver and spiderweb targets. They're out of yep. the west side. A lot, of, lot of history in Michigan. You know, you got to kind of equate that to the whole Fred Bear thing, right? I mean, oh yeah, he just sure. had such a legacy in Michigan that, uh, you know, great the, the father of the sport. To be honest with you, I yep. just wish people would come hunt Michigan. I, I realize that there, it's not like a dream place to hunt. I realize that, but if you've never hunted northern Michigan. I recommend highly doing it. I, I don't think you're going to be like amazing, you know, hugely successful or anything like that, but 
it's not about just the hunt. It's about the environment. And it is the most gorgeous, beautiful. Once you cross that bridge and go into upper peninsula of Michigan, it is like nothing, you know, I can describe besides Northern Canada. It's only that I can say that's similar, but it's got its own everything. And I, you know, just being up there last year for bear camp was just, I was so excited to go there. And you know, like those times where you're driving down a highway and you like, it's just a beautiful day. You open the windows, you know, you're just, you're, you know, like going back and forth to college, things like that. Well, I remember that last year driving on, I don't know, I don't know the number, but it's the road that goes across the top of the upper peninsula. Right. So to your right is superior. Anyway, I was just cruising down that road going to this bear camp. And I was just like, this is the best day ever. (laughs) Just no clouds. It's like the most coolest, crisp, cleanest air like it's just unbelievable it's beautiful there's nothing better than a michigan hunt right after a nice snow while it's still like coming down man i love hunting michigan when it's snowing out it is one of the most amazing it's just so quiet so peaceful and if you shoot a deer you can track it really easily oh yeah (laughs) it makes it much easier for sure (laughs) so it must have been it must have been about four years ago tim now but i was sitting in the u area by the 20 footer i was sitting there it's like a horseshoe and i was i was playing a video game on my switch i'll just admit it but it was (laughs) snowing it was early morning and i was look i was just on this switch playing this game and i looked up and it like the sun had just risen it maybe for a half hour now and it's like you know starting to get nice and light and there's this beautiful golden doe just huge beautiful deer just like 30 yards in front of me, just standing there. And I could see the breath because it was so cold. You know, it was like 25 degrees and the breath is just like, and I see it. And then she sits there for about five minutes, runs across the field. This is like in the the rut. So I'm sitting there and I go back to my thing and I think this is a bad idea. Like it's the rut, you know, and this doe is in front of me. I, I I should probably pay attention, you know? So I put it down and I'm sitting there and all of a sudden, sure enough, I see tips of horns like way out on the other side. Cause it's like, it's like a hill. And so at the backside, I can see something happen. All of a sudden this monster buck just runs up on the top of this hill. And it's like looking all around for this doe. And I was like, Oh my God. And then I hit, then I had a bad shot on it. <laughs> I got buck fever and that was that, but I just, funny. those are the moments, man. Like those are the things that people who don't hunt or don't understand. Like you're just not, you're missing out on such a, immense beauty you know nature is just unbelievable in those moments yeah i actually so for northern michigan stuff you guys familiar with the uh, baldwin area yeah um so my family used to have a cottage up there and and i'm talking circa 2000 ish um my my neighbors up there they would let us um hunt over on their piece they had like 140 acres or something but there was this one buck in particular that it was by far the biggest deer I'd ever seen up there. And when I, when I had seen him, I was, this was, would have been my first year in college. And that summer I watched him and I I thought this deer was in my mind. I was like, this deer's 200 inches. Like this is the biggest buck ever in the history of Michigan, you know? And, (laughs) and, and I finally got, binoculars on him one night and I, and I counted him up and he was a mainframe 12 and it was, he was just huge. Right. Well, so I hunted him that fall, never laid eyes on him, never saw him. I could see him every single night throughout the summer, but never during the season. So fast forward five years, 
um, I was going to college on the west side of the state at Grand Valley, and I shot a nice buck over there. I took it to this taxidermist, and he was like, hey, do you want to see my trophy room? So we went into his basement. We're looking around his trophy room, and he's like, this deer's from Wisconsin. This one's from Illinois. This is from Iowa. And I'm like, you got any Michigan deer? And he's like, yeah, this one over here. And I look at it, and I was like, man, that, that deer looks familiar. I, I don't know why. And I was like, Where, where'd you shoot that deer? And he's like, oh, this little town you probably never heard of. It's called Baldwin. I, I killed it on ah. public land. And so we got to talking about it. He killed that deer on public wow. land, literally directly across the road from our driveway. Like no way. This is like five, this is like five years after I'd laid, laid That's eyes on crazy. It. And That's it, crazy. It ended up being like 167 inches or something like that. But That's it, awesome, man. Yeah, Baldwin's not too far from where uh where Dave and I went to college over at Central. So Oh yeah. There's yep. uh there's some decent there's some decent deer around there, man. I'm not gonna lie. That whole upper west hand side, I mean, yep. there's some decent deer up there if you can get back in the woods where you, you know, because it, it, it's it's hard to find spots in Michigan, right? Like I don't know oh, how yeah. much you know oh, public yeah. land, but it's not yep. easy to find good public land. Now archery is a little bit easier than gun, obviously, just because of yep. the difference in the and the number of hunters. But uh yeah, I mean archery in Michigan gets a bad rap, man. It really does. Yeah, for sure. I was always told that Manistee uh, National Forest area is really good. I don't know. I haven't hunted it yet, but so the Manistee, have, well, that's right in that area. That's it. it? That, that, that's oh, okay. actually, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, that makes sense then. And I guess it, it, it was better a few years ago because some fungus moved in on a bunch of the trees and it killed a lot of the uh, trees that a lot of the deer used for whether it was bedding or um, forage. And it, it was the craziest thing. I watched the herd up there go from, I used to literally see 60, 70 deer every single set to maybe seeing two, three, four. And I don't think it was because they died, but it's just because they migrated off because their food source was gone. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Yeah. When, when did you see that happen? That would have been probably early 2000s, like 2000. Yeah. Okay three 2004 someplace in there um there was there was some type of tree fungus that came in and it killed everything i mean like yeah. like it, it was insane how quickly it happened um and the deer numbers just switched just were gone it, it was crazy wow. to see. They, that's how they call it hunting right i mean it's not <laughs> the success ratio is not 100 percent. that's for sure so yep Cool, man. Well, Casey, man, love, love the fact that you were able to join us. Love the fact that you're from Michigan. Um, love to hear the stories. We got to have you back on, man. Um, yeah, for sure. So, I'd love so to tell everybody that. real quick before we end here, tell us, tell us where we can watch the show at, um, you know, where, where we can catch your episodes at and all that stuff real quick. Yeah, for sure. So we're on uh, the outdoor channel four days a week. Um, it's usually Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Um, we're also on my outdoor TV. Um, then we've got some content on YouTube, but not a whole lot of it. Uh, the actual episodes, the hunting episodes, not a whole lot of them actually get posted there. Um, but guys, thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, anytime you guys want to talk deer, turkeys, whatever it is, I'd, I'd love to be a part of it. You got it, man. We'll, we'll definitely awesome, have man. you back on. It's been a great chat. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks guys. Man. Have a good night. As usual, thank you guys so much for tuning into the Bowhunter Planet podcast. Your support is so appreciated. If you love archery and bow hunting, make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media as we have a lot more great content to share. We'll see you soon. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.